Okay, don't worry, it's a pretty short sermon today, but as I told the early service, uh, it is the sermon is short, hopefully it will last long. And I had to explain to the early service how profound that is. And apparently you need that explanation as well. It's going to be a short sermon, but hopefully it will last long. Um, so, yeah, got it. So would you would you uh, stand with me one more time <laughs> until I ask you to again? And uh, let's read from Philippians chapter 2. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go for me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him and not only on him, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the life that are in your word. I pray for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, quicken us not just so that we can breathe this air, but quicken us so that we can receive life from the Spirit today. Uh, Lord, make our hearts soft in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Um, before I actually get into the sermon, I actually have a prelude. Um, I guess, I don't know if you'd call it that when you're speaking. I, I know in music you would. Uh, a preface. Yeah, there we go. Preface. I, I rarely um, I rarely talk about um, current events, rarely talk about current things that have happened. And there's a reason behind that. Uh, there's actually a couple of reasons. Uh, one is because... They're just so with us that it's it's we we go through almost every day with all these voices screaming. Think about me. Look at me. Think about this. Look at this. And it's never focus on God. And so I, I like for Sunday morning to be a sanctuary, if you will, where we just shut those voices down and we focus on God and we recalibrate. We re recalibrate our lives. I feel like that's that's important. But I felt like the Lord gave me uh, some, gave me a word. I don't know, maybe for everybody. It's, I believe surely for somebody. Um, 
as I was as I was praying about and thinking about the things that have happened this week. Um, and, and first of all, just let me say that uh, the the tragedies that we know about, the ones that made the news, uh, those weren't the biggest tragedies that happened this week. We just don't know about the others. It's a fallen world. There's it, stuff going on. Uh, there just is. But here's the thing. Um, Jesus had some people in Luke chapter 13 come to him uh, be, because those voices in the world are screaming at us, not only think about this, but make judgments about this. Jesus had some people come to him in Luke chapter 13, the first five verses, and they said, Jesus, do you know what's going on? Did you hear what happened? Up, up in Galilee, Pilate killed some Galileans as they were, as they were offering sacrifices. He mixed, mixed, mixed their blood with their sacrifices. Isn't that terrible? And Jesus, uh, said, do you think that those Galileans were worse than all the other Galileans? Because that happened to them? Do, do, do you think that, 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 don't think that, you need to realize that you have to repent and get yourself straight, or the same thing can happen to you. And not only is it in Galilee, but in Jerusalem, just recently there was apparently a, a, a tower that had fallen down and killed 18 people. So, do you think those, they were worse sinners than the other people in Jerusalem because that tower fell on them and something bad happened to them? Said, said, no. Said, what you need to do is you need to repent. And what he was basically saying is when all of these things happen, yes, you can pray about them. Yes, be concerned about them uh, to a degree. But you need to understand that you don't know anything. The only person's sins you know are yours. That's the only person's sins you know. And that's the only person's sins you can deal with is your own. And so when the world is trying to get you, you know, to to get angry about this or get upset about this or take this certain position. <sighs> That's the world. That's the world. Recalibrate. Focus on God. Everybody's a special person. And I, and I know, you know, that's a, a cliched thing, but there really are. I want to I show you today how to really be special people. Uh, the portion of, of Scripture that we have today is not one that you hear preached on very often. And the reason why you don't hear it preached on very often is, ah, it's just about, it's just about people. It's not the theology. <clears throat> the Bible is not primarily about theology. Uh, a lot of times people approach the Bible from the standpoint of approaching it as a textbook and thinking of it as a, as a textbook. Uh, and I understand that to a degree, but it doesn't make me happy. On a number of different levels, it doesn't make me happy. One is I never cared a lot for textbooks. And I can't really remember reading one since I got out of college. I might have looked at one once or twice, but I never went, man, boy, I, I just remember what a great read <laughs> that chemistry textbook was. I, I need to go get some more of that. You know, need to, I need to chill out with some calculus. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> actually, I don't usually call names, but I'm going to call names. You know, Barbie told me afterwards, she said, I loved my textbooks. I, you know, I get them at the beginning of the year. I'd love to write my name in them and all the promise of, the, of learning the stuff that's in them. And you know what? It, I remembered, I loved mine too the first week. 
But by the, by the second week, the, the luster was beginning to come off of them. You get right down to it. And, you know, nothing against, nothing against textbooks, but I, I think, I suspect that I'm not alone in my aversion to textbooks. Uh, and when the Bible is presented that way, I sometimes fear that it causes people to avoid it rather than embrace it. Um, and while there are a few brief sections that could be considered textbook in nature, um, the, the sections where, uh, the architectural sections where they're describing uh, how the buildings are supposed to be built, how the temple is supposed to be built, or even the tabernacle for crying out loud. You know, those things. I mean, when I read those sections, I just tend to glaze over. You know, now I know some people really get into that, and I'm so glad because they can draw pictures to show me what it's actually saying. But just from reading it, I'm not going to get there. You know, and, and then, uh, especially in Leviticus, you know, there, there are the sections where it's talking about, prescribed about what goes with this sacrifice and when that's supposed to, okay, textbook stuff. But those are few and far between. Basically, when I look at the Bible, I go, this is actually a storybook. And it really is. It, 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 it's, it's a storybook. Now, let me say this. I'm not saying that, uh, I'm not saying that the Bible's fiction. I'm not saying that at all. But we tend to associate that word story with fiction. And we tend to associate fiction with non-truth, which is, I'm going to use the word stupid here, because it is. I mean, fiction is not non-truth. Jesus told stories. We call them parables because that sounds better, I guess. Uh, sounds more official. But he told stories. To, to bring, to bring truth to people. When I was, when I was a little kid, my mom would say to me sometime, are you telling a story? And that's because we didn't want to use the word lie. And, you know, and I, and I was a smart aleck, but I wasn't really smart, you know, I wasn't really, I, I didn't have the guts to go, no, I'm not telling a story, I'm telling a lie. Uh, a story is, is something very different. A story is something, something interesting. A, a, a story is something, and, and you can learn truths for it. And the Bible contains many stories. I mean, it's full of them. Heroes and villains. I guess probably the most famous one would be David and Goliath. And, you know, even, even with David and Goliath, we have the ability to make that story boring. We have the ability to, you know, Put it in Shakespearean language and, and turn it into something distant and, and out there. I would love to see Spielberg, no, Quentin Tarantino. I'd love to see him get a hold of this story and tell it. I mean, you know, Goliath shouldn't be this, you know, thing. Goliath should be, ah, you know, and, 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 you know, and David, yeah, seriously. These are good stories. They are. And, and it's not just men who are, who are the heroes and, and the villains. How many of you know who J.L. is? Not talking about Superman's daddy. <laughs> talking about J.L. in the Bible. Oh, boy. Yeah, she was grisly. Uh, gnarly. Yeah. 
Deborah, you, you've heard of Deborah. Uh, uh, the Israelites were, were, in, were in trouble. Uh, Sisera was uh, the commander who was terrorizing them. And Deborah called Barak and told him, uh, you, 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 the Lord has anointed you to go and fight Sisera and destroy him. And he went, well, I don't know about that. You know, he's got a big army. I got a little army. Not sure I want to do that. And she said, well, the Lord's anointed you to. Well, I will if you'll go with me, mommy. You know, and she goes, she wasn't his mommy. But I, and that, he didn't say that either. That was just his attitude. <laughs> and she goes, well, all right, I'll go with you. But you need to understand that a woman's going to get the credit for this. And so the army's engaged, and Sisera's army, sure enough, was, was defeated, and they go running, and Sisera's trying to escape, and he comes to the tent of Jael, uh, the tribe that she's, the, the clan that she's a part of, we're kind of on friendly terms with them, and she says, no, no, come on in here, I'll, I'll hide you, I'll take care of you, and boy, does she ever. He's, he's tired, he's exhausted, he goes in, she gives him uh, something to drink, and he gets drowsy. He says, just lay down and go to sleep. Go to sleep, little baby. <laughs> and, 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 and he does, and she takes a tent peg, and she takes a mallet, and whacks it through his skull. Ooh, that's PG-13. <laughs> I mean, the Bible is full of great stories. Wars and, and love affairs. One of my favorite wars would be uh, when Sennacherib came against uh, Jerusalem and surrounded the city, and he had this huge army, and Hezekiah's army was had no chance against them. And they prayed to the Lord, and the Lord sent an angel, a death angel, and, and in one night killed 185,000 of the Assyrians. Woo! For those of you who are uh, Doctor Who fans, don't blink. That's the question. Those of you who aren't, don't worry. Uh, and, and love story, Song of Solomon. Oh. I taught um, a Bible survey class a couple of years ago in the, um, in the tutorial we have here. Um, not doing it anymore, it's too hard. Um, but uh, when, when we got to the Song of Solomon, I said, you know, people try to dress up this and and turn it into metaphor well it really means this and it's really about this it's a hot love story is what it is let it be what it is and, and it, i mean it really is this is this is some serious stuff you know you don't need to read it until you're at least 15 or, or 25 or, or you know something like that weird people who do weird things Noah building the ark and the animals all coming on board and everything like that. Now, listen, when I say, uh, I'm not saying that any of these stories are fictional, but, there's, but they all teach truth. You say, well, you really think an angel came and killed 185,000 people? Well, actually, yes, I really do think an angel came and killed 185,000 people. But regardless, I know what that story means. And what it means is trust in the Lord. He will defend you. Whenever things look bleak. And, and the story of Noah and the ark. Yes, I really do believe he built an ark and a bunch of animals went on board and everything got flooded. I, 
You know, I believe that. But what the story really means is the Lord is able to deliver his people when the, when the world is falling apart all around them. If they'll just listen to him and be obedient to him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In a fiery furnace. Man, that is... That, they need to make good movies about these things. And their friend, Daniel, with the lion's den, the lion's mouth getting shut. There's supernatural characters all through this book, miraculous events, exploits, all within the context of everyday life. It's, it's a great book. The Bible has an overarching story, and the overarching story is about paradise lost and redemption earned, gained by Christ, won. Rich Mullins, uh, when did Rich Mullins die? We all know? 97. Okay. Uh, loved his music, but one of the lines that stuck with me the most from all of his music, uh, he was talking about these stories, and he says, they say stories like this makes a boy grow bold. Stories like this makes a man walk straight. Makes a woman walk straight too. I mean, these are, these are good stories. And the Bible is, is a book about people. And when you're talking about people, you're talking about stories because everybody's got one. Everybody's life is one. It's about people and what they go through and how they interact and how they encounter God. When Paul, when Paul wrote these letters, uh, he, he wasn't writing with an intent to create textbooks for seminaries. He, he wasn't even writing thinking one of these days they'll, they'll be teaching this in, in, school, in Sunday schools across the world. You know, and they should. No, he was, he was writing because he had some friends far away that he wanted to say some things to. See, back in the old day, back in the old days, they had these things called letters. And what they were was you had a piece of paper and you got a writing implement of some kind and you wrote things on it. Now, some people wrote in script, which is a type of writing that isn't printing and, and doesn't involve a keyboard. Some people wrote in script and I still have some of these letters and, and I still don't know what some of them said because they wrote in script and I, and I couldn't, couldn't figure it out. But uh, then you you put a you put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, and you hand it to a stranger, who would then take it and and give it to whoever it was you were trying to write to. That's exactly what Paul did without the stamp, or or the stranger. You know, he would give it to somebody that he trusted because there were people that he cared about that he wanted to communicate with. That's that's how most of the New Testament came about. And today, Paul commends two special people to these people that he cares about. And one of them is Timothy. And Timothy, Timothy, you've heard of Timothy, you, you know about. But notice what he says here. This is, this is just too good. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. 
I, I mean, that's a passage that just ought to just soak in to us. Say, yeah, you've heard of Timothy. I mean, Paul wrote a couple of letters to him. And obviously, Timothy was very active in ministry. But what Paul does not say, Paul does not say, I'm sending Timothy to you because he's the only one who's graduated. I'm sending Timothy to you because he's got a lot of knowledge. I'm sending Timothy to you because he can, he can pass on uh, stuff to you. He's, he's well-trained. Nope, that wouldn't qualify Timothy to go. He doesn't say, I'm sending Timothy to you because he's the most talented one we got, man. I mean, all the others, some of them are pretty good, can do this, can do that. Timothy stands out, man, this guy can preach. Just whether you hear him, you're going to be so excited about him. Nope, that's not why Timothy got sent. He doesn't say, I'm sending Timothy to you because it's his turn. God is not fair. God doesn't go, well, you got to go that time and you got to go this time, so now it's your turn to get to go or to have to go, depending on how you look at it. No. He said, I'm sending Timothy to you because he cares. Because I can trust him to put you ahead of himself. I can trust him to be. See, God can do all, God can do this other stuff. What qualifies you to be to, well, the quality that qualifies you to be given an assignment in the kingdom, an assignment from God, is that you care for others beyond yourself. God, God can do this other stuff. He can take anybody and anoint them. He can take anybody and turn them into a powerful speaker. He can, he can, he can take anybody and, and give them wisdom to be able to, to share with people. I, I, seriously, there, there are, there are times and there will be more times in, in my life and in your life when some, somebody that you would never look at and go, oh, that's a wise person, will say something to you that will just absolutely be from God. And, and when it comes to speaking, I, uh, I, I've shared this before, but a lot of you hadn't heard it. Uh, the, the, worst, the worst public speaker I ever heard try to give a sermon also was the most powerful encounter I've ever seen happen in a service. Uh, it was, we, were in, we were in Zimbabwe. They were having a conference. Uh, it was a conference that went on for two weeks. It was started at 8 o'clock in the morning. It would go to midnight. There were uh, just speakers all over the place. And they usually would have a guy or two come from the States. And they had this one guy come from the States who preached like this all the time. So after about three days, he preached like this. And, uh, and at lunch one day, Ezekiel said to the guy's uh, accountant who had come with him, you're preaching uh, after lunch. Yeah. At lunch, he said this to this guy. And the guy goes, all right. And... Uh, you know, and he, and he, and he got up to preach and it was, uh, <laughs> he pre, I'll, he, I'll never forget it. He preached about, he held on to the, to the sides of the thing like this and he, uh, I'm going to preach today about Mary and Martha and Jesus coming to their house. Jesus came to Mary and Martha's house and it didn't get any better. Until about 20 minutes in, 
the Holy Ghost just went, and the room just came unglued completely. God doesn't need talent. He doesn't need talent's good. He doesn't need training. Training is good. What God needs is somebody who's going to care about the people he sends them to. That's what he needs. When I was, when I was a kid, I had Sunday school teachers who were eager to uh, teach us how smart they were. And I had Sunday school teachers who maybe weren't all that smart, but really loved us. And guess which one I learned the most from? Are we building it for Christ or for ourselves? And one more thing here about Timothy. And like I said, this isn't going to be a a long sermon, uh, but hopefully it'll last long. Uh, He didn't just talk a good game. He was proven. Paul said, but you know that Timothy has proven himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. So Timothy was one of them. The other one was a, a guy named Epaphroditus. Who had a lot more going for him than the coolest name in the Bible. But I mean, seriously, I mean, not the greatest name, but certainly the coolest name. How many of you know, knew how to pronounce that before today? Okay. How many of you can pronounce it now? It was worth coming for, man. I mean, seriously, it just flows up. Epaphroditus, Epaphroditus. That's what we go around saying all the time. Just flows off the tongue. He had been sent by the church at Philippi to care for Paul's needs. And he had done so quite well. And, and, and this guy had to be a special guy. I mean, Paul was a pretty prickly fellow. When you get right, I mean, he seriously was. If you read his letters and read in Acts, you, you discover that, he, you know, he had, he, had some, he had some rough spots kind of sticking out. And, you know, I can see the, the church at Philippi going, you know, who would like to go and minister to Paul in prison? Anybody. And Epaphroditus is the one who did it. And apparently he did it extremely, extremely well. He had also become sick in the service. In fact, uh, uh, Paul says he almost died for the work of Christ. The Lord had healed him. There was not really any boasting in Paul's voice. So, I mean, Paul didn't go, yep, he was sick, but we kick that devil in the teeth and he's all right now. No, I mean, there was, there was just gracious humility there. The Lord had mercy on us. He was sick. He almost died. But the Lord's mercy was extended to us. And, and not just to Epaphroditus and not just to you, but to me, because I would have had sorrow upon sorrow upon sorrow if, this, if, this, if the Lord had not intervened. But the Lord did. The Lord intervened. And now Epaphroditus is anxious about these people because, see, they, they didn't, their internet connections were slow in those days. And the, the, the people in Philippi had heard that Epaphroditus was at the point of death and they didn't know anything else. And Epaphroditus is going, wow, I mean, you know, they're, they're going to be very worried. I, I would like to be able to relieve their Concern. I mean, this is the this is the heart this guy had. And so Paul said, I'm going to send him to you as well. Two people. I'm going to close with this. Two special people. Uh, 
Last week, Barbie was talking about uh, shining like stars in the darkness. And, you know, she turned the lights off and clicked her magic clicker and bing! The lights came and everybody goes, ooh. Yeah. This is cool, right? And, uh, and it was, I'm just jealous. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, but the point being that the light shines up against a dark background. I was, and, and you know, we want to be that light. We don't want to be that dark background. So this put me very much in mind of a, uh, of a story that Jesus told. And, and I think, uh, and this is kind of going back to the, to the, the uh, preface of the sermon. Uh, I was talking about, you know, not jumping to conclusions or, or even thinking you're supposed to pick sides because you're not. There was this guy. He was uh, he was a drug addict and uh, wasted. You know, he'd been a drug addict for quite a while, and uh, you know, so he really didn't have anything except clothes on his back, which didn't smell all that good, and <clears throat> you know, skin and bones and scabs. That's basically it. And uh, one day, uh, a group of group of guys, because they were bored and looking for some fun, decided to to beat him up and leave him for dead. So they did, because, you know, that's how we have fun. You know, we find uh, defenseless people that uh, we can beat up. And that's what happened to him. So he's laying on the street, and he's uh, uh, bleeding, and if somebody doesn't help him, he's, he's going to die. But fortunately, he's at a place where there's a little bit of traffic. And uh, so the first person that comes by and sees him is a lawyer. And the lawyer... Looks at him and goes, "Ooh, I, I better not, I better not get too close, because you know how sometimes when you go to help somebody, and it doesn't go out quite the way you want it to. They'll turn around, they'll sue you. They'll just, you know, this, that's how, that's how smart we are. That's how bright we are. You, 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 you try to help somebody. You're, you're doing your best. Something goes wrong, and so you end up getting blamed for it. You end up getting sued. Now, I can't have any, can't have anything to do with that. Uh, somebody else come along, and take care of it later on. And sure enough, along comes a soccer mom. <laughs> Going here and there and everywhere, to and fro on the earth, and uh, and she sees him. She goes, "Oh man, there's, oh." I better not, no. First of all, in the first place, I got to get to Trader Joe's before it closes. <laughs> and in the second place, you know, if I, if I start, if I start uh, touching and getting involved with that kind of people, my kids might, I mean, you know, they're going to, there's no telling what will happen. I, somebody else will take care of it, so I'll just, I'll just move right on along. And so fortunately... You know, I mean, a lawyer, soccer mom, for crying out loud. Fortunately, a politician comes along next. And the politician goes, now this right here is what's wrong with America. And he's right, but he's pointing in the wrong direction. And so the guy's still just 
You know, he's there, he's, he's, he's bleeding, his life's falling out on the ground. But fortunately, there were a couple other guys coming along. One of them happened to be a hip-hop model. Had on his easy 63 sweat, you know, shirt, whatever that is, you know, got it. He's got his cap on wrong, I think. It's, it's, well, I don't know. I don't even know what they do these days. But, so he's coming along and he's got his, his friend with him who's an, uh, an un, undocumented Asian hip hop model <laughs> with his tats and everything. And they go, hey man, you, are you okay? I think he's hurt, man. He's hurt. We gotta help him. And they get him up and they, and they, and they take him to the, to the ER and they say, you know, put this guy back together and then we'll come, we'll come take care of it. So they're gone for a couple of days, put the guy back together. They come, they get him, they take him to the, to the, to the methadone clinic and they get him all set up and they begin to try and work with him. Which one of these is a disciple of Christ? They may all be saved, but which one is a disciple of Christ? Which one, which one is actually shining like stars against the dark background? I, I, all, all of us, nobody to rescue me, nobody would dare. Unless they're a follower of Christ and willing to reach out and touch the untouchable, willing to set aside what's best maybe for them, for what's best for somebody else, willing to pursue his reward rather than my rights, because everybody had the right to walk on by. And you know, and if you don't like my cast of characters, that's very intentional because the people listening to Jesus didn't like his cast of characters. So that's how the story's supposed to be told. You get right down to it. If I had the ability, I would turn off the lights and click my magic clicker. <laughs> and all of the little light prinkles would come up. And then I would go, this is what I mean. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Would you stand with me? For those who are going to pray for people, come forward this morning. God is no respecter of persons. What God did for Epaphroditus, he'll do for you. What, what God did for the person sitting a couple rows over, he'll do for you. And he's, he's done a lot. <laughs> he's done great and marvelous things. When I said that the overarching story is a story of paradise lost and redemption won, the redemption was won at Calvary. You don't have to win it. You just have to receive it. Don't know where it is. Doesn't matter where it is. So if you need prayer, if you need prayer for anything, 
Or if you need to, to know Christ, if you need to be introduced to Christ, He really is this loving. He really is this genuine, this real. Uh, if you come, and we'd like to like to pray for you, pray with you. And uh, if you don't, then worship Him with us for a while, because He's worthy, and because it'll it'll create an atmosphere for somebody else to be able to hear from the Holy Spirit.